Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show back with you on a Tuesday, on a victory Tuesday, we're calling it today. Weren't on the air yesterday, of course, due to Bucknell basketball. We apologize for that, but we're back today. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve, of course, will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, great selection of new and pre-owned inventory. And whether you've got the sales staff that's ready to serve you and not just there for the sale, or many awesome technicians ready to serve you in the service department with the diagnostics, the inspections, all the routine maintenance, SMC is there for you with the all-important Sunbury Motors guarantee. And because SMC keeps growing... More of those awesome technicians are needed for the service department in the quick lane, car line, truck service, heavy truck service, body frame and alignment and towing departments. So whether you're an experienced technician, an entry-level technician looking for your first job, or someone looking for a career change, they'd love to hear from you. Stop by in person, apply online at sunburymotors.com, or call Todd at 286-7746, all at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Starting off the show this week with a busy schedule once again, we've got Neil Kolong today, we've got Donnie Collins today, and we've got Nate Bauer today. Tomorrow, we have Corey Geiger, and we'll have the King with our picks because we are not here Thursday and Friday for Thanksgiving, and then we're back Monday. So that's what we got going for you this week here on the Steve Jones Show. And congrats again to the Bison basketball team, the men's team, with the W the last two days, 4-2 and two on the year. Champs down at the Sunshine, Shun, Sunshine Classic, I should say, down in Daytona Beach. They beat Austin P today and won yesterday against Presbyterian, as you heard here on WKOK. So Bison basketball is back on the valley starting with the next home game at Soika Pavilion Saturday against Marist and also shout out to the women's team today getting a W during the education day game 55-52 over Iona we had 750 students from Lewisburg and Mount Carmel school districts in the stands with us at Soika making a lot of noise they were awesome today they were really fun to listen to and, and created a really fun atmosphere and the and the women's team gets the W second of their second of the year, second in a row, two and three on the year. Now they go to Syracuse on Friday, I believe, before they come back home Sunday against Temple. As far as Penn State goes, 
Saturday's win obviously was a lot of fun to watch, going back to the football game at Rutgers. But was what was good to see from it is I still think it's another good character-building win because when things were a little bit dicey early, it's a 10-7 game, you're trailing by three, you're on the road, the crowd's starting to get into it there a little bit, and then you just get a complete team effort where you've got two defensive touchdowns and you got a special teams touchdown to help get you going, and the offense eventually gets things going themselves, gets some momentum, and you pull away and win a big one, 55-10. to 10. I-, I thought that was key. And the defense played one of their best games of the year by creating the turnovers and obviously getting the two touchdowns, which helped flip the game for Penn State and helped them just bulldoze their way through a victory after that. But I, I think that was that's a good takeaway for this football team as you head to your final game of the year at home against Michigan State. Of course, 4 o'clock game, 3.30 kick, or 3.30 start. Try that again. 4 o'clock start, 2.30 airtime here on WKOK against Michigan State. And as far as we see it right now, the chances for a Rose Bowl are still out there as long as Penn State keeps taking care of their own business and they win next week against the Spartans. And then we'll see if things can fall their way the rest of the way. You have Ohio State and Michigan. Mm. And we'll see what happens there after that with TCU and Tennessee and USC and company all in the mix there. Yes, yes. We'll all find out. It's good to be back with you, Steve Jones. It's been been a while since Thursday. Good to be back with you, my friend, yes. Yeah, because I mean, we had have, there's been so much holiday basketball between Penn State and Bucknell. Yep, that's the reason. And then we're on tomorrow, and then we're actually off the next two days. Exactly. Yeah. So, I think you said something about inner peace. Don't know what that meant. Uh, so, <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> I'm sitting there like I don't know what that means. Um, I want to get to um, James did, of course, make it official today about Parker Washington being out for the year. Yeah, tough one there for him. Yeah, I'll tell you, Parker is a great kid. Boy, I like being around him. Uh, he's really is. Now, I want to get to a tweet today. And it's from Dennis Dodd, our friend at CBS. And this was really... I read, you know, yeah, because how many times we have Dennis on the show, you know? And this was one where I sat back and went, wow, really? Holy mackerel. Um, And it dealt with UCLA. And, of course, you know, we've done a lot of stuff with the UCLA-USC thing. Because in the business of sports, it's a huge move. So this is the tweet he put out. I think I think I have it here. Let's make sure i got Dennis Dodd's Twitter here. Make sure I've got that. Um, but essentially what he says is that if the Pac-12 and the California Board of Regents decide to um, force UCLA to stay in the Pac-12, that the Pac-12 may get buried. And the reason is the Big Ten has to fulfill its media contract. 
and in fulfilling the media contract, they'll go after either Oregon or Washington, if not both. December 14th is the day that, again, I kept telling you it was going to be November 17th, and it wasn't. It's like, what the heck? Um, We just sit there and say, really? (laughs) I mean, come on, guys. You can't, you know, figure it out here. But they haven't been able to figure it out. But the Dennis Dodd tweet was, you sat back and went, Wow. (laughs) Really? And that was something where I sat back and went, geez, that's, uh, hadn't really thought of it like that. And in part because my thought process has been the entire time that UCLA is still going to be able to come after the whining, moaning, and complaining. Uh, So here's the tweet. Be careful what you wish for. It was strongly suggested to me, Dennis Dodd, that if UCLA is forced to stay in the Pac-12, common sense move is the Big Ten has, and it's all capital letters, to fulfill that media rights contract. It would then go after the likes of Oregon and Washington, maybe more, and effectively collapse the Pac-12. Wow. Interesting, isn't it? And I really hadn't thought of it in that realm, only because, and the reason I haven't really thought of it is I've been thinking the entire time, yeah, there's a lot of bluster, you know, because you have a lot of people that don't know a lot about sports making comments. They don't know a lot about the business of sports making comments. And I thought, well, in the end, they'll figure out the business side of it or they'll be advised on the business side of it and they'll let them go because UCLA is $104 million in debt. UCLA has been borrowing from the university. Well, if you're borrowing from the university, you're borrowing from the California system. How do you pay it back? So here are two elements to it. One is the it's been reported by the New York Times that the uh, the UCLA agreement with the Big Ten can be bought out for fifteen million. Okay, not a big number. Big number for everybody that that's listening right now, but in the business world, not a big number. Okay, you're like, oh, okay, that's interesting, but. You're 140. Here is the big blow that the California border regions got that really set them, really kind of took them aback. George Klyovkov, and I know you're stunned by this, over exaggerated what he thought he could get from the networks for the Pac 12 contract. You want to know oh, my almighty! You want to know what the overestimate was? He said they could get 42 to 47 million in media rights. Here's the big blow. The Big 12 then negotiated first and got 31. And I guess the California Board of Regents, from everything I understand, was taken aback like, well, that's not 42 to 47. Wow. 
And this is what they further found out, that one of the reasons the number was 31, which for the Big 12 is a good number, by the way. Please don't misunderstand. 30, and I'm talking about $31 million per school. So I'm talking about $31 million per school. What they found out was that ESPN did not want to take any number past the ACC number. Why? Remember that the that ESPN not only has the ACC contract long, logged up to 2036, but part of that agreement is they are fronting the ACC network. So they don't want to take a number beyond that because they're putting more into the ACC than they are into the Big 12 or potentially into the Pac-12, which is business common sense. And I guess when that happened and they found out about the 31 per school for the Big 12 in conjunction with the reason why, because of the ACC number and the ACC network, that made them, I guess that gave them pause as to what's going on. Because UCLA, $104 million in debt, has been borrowing from the university to stay solvent with its athletic department. The Big Ten media rights deal, combined with the college football playoff, combined with probably an, an, an increased NCAA tournament number, and with Big Ten revenue sharing with UCLA's attendance would put them in the area where they would make out financially by a couple of million on revenue sharing. It will get them on an incredibly fast track to solvency and get them out of debt and pay off the loan to the university. In the end, that's what this is all about. This is not about... Now, and they did the survey with the students at UCLA, and 111 out of 600 responded. And here's another element of that survey that has come to light. They were asked, what is the importance of the rivalry with Cal? And 24% said it was relevant. 76% said no. Meanwhile, how important is it to play USC in the future? 77% said yes. Very interesting. We have a loaded show today with a loaded host. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't I can guarantee you in no uncertain terms that's never happened. No señor! No señor! No señor! Donnie Collins today's Scranton Times Tribune, Nate Power on 3.com. Neil Kulong today on the NFL on a day where Aaron Judge visits the San Francisco Giants. Oh, I didn't even see that. <laughs> well, whatever. We'll see what happens. You going to record a new thing with your kid that says all sit if he goes? Hopefully not. Does he know how to say that? Yeah, he would. Oh, okay, good. good. Lisa's obviously been working with him. All right, back with more in a moment. <laughs> you only work with him with baseball and then yell at him. And on, football. The... You yell at him in football, too? Just throwing the ball around. We're not tackling. 
Just and throwing the ball him, around. You yell at him throwing the ball? <laughs> Come on, man. We've got to work on grabbing the laces. Well, who the heck were they talking about last night about not grabbing the laces right? I'm trying to think. There's a quarterback they were talking about that wasn't grabbing the laces right. I can't remember who it was. Niners looked good last night. Um, Niners, Eagles, Chiefs, Bills are still, to me, the only four teams worth watching in the league. But that's that's only me. As we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. Yeah, Parker, Washington, like like I typically do, uh, Parker will be done for the season. Um, I did have that conversation with with him and his mom, so I wanted to make sure I covered that, you know, with them first, made sure everybody was comfortable with it. Uh, Olu Fashanu, we expect back. You know, when that is, you know, we'll see. Hopefully this weekend, we'll see how that that plays out. Uh, and same thing with Joey Porter. Another answer that did not satisfy you. <laughs> I- I'm okay with it. Really, I mean, obviously, we, we got to. We I'd like to know Parker Washington's future, but that we don't need to know that right now. Still the regular season, so yeah. To be honest with you, I mean, since it's still the regular season, Hunter Norzat put out what he put out because that's just how he wanted to do it. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And a fabulous service department with great technicians, and they're looking for even more technicians. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15. Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. And Sunbury Motors says, Happy Thanksgiving from their business to your home. And same story, Purdy Insurance. Of course, we weren't on yesterday. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's uh, treated like a family business. They do. And uh, so from their family to yours, happy Thanksgiving. Let's get to the NFL now and bring in Neil Kulong. Neil, welcome. It's uh, We're always thankful to have you on. Appreciate you very much.
apologize for everything. And we'll get to Neil in a moment. There we go. Let's see here. I can get to Neil and talk to him about the NFL because, I mean, I've been going through this theory of Eagles, 49ers, Bills, Chiefs. Yeah, it's really been... I think I've talked about it for, I don't know, about a month now. Uh, really, maybe since the McCaffrey thing came about. Maybe. Um, probably when I first started talking about it. Outstanding, and we wish happy Thanksgiving and are very thankful every week to have Neil Kulong. Sir, welcome. Thank you for having me, and uh, definitely a happy Thanksgiving to you and yours as well. As always, it's my pleasure to be here. Um, before we get to anything with the Steelers, It's only my opinion, but I just feel like that Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, and Philadelphia are the only four actually really good teams in the NFL, and the other 28 aren't. What do you think? I think that's fair, and I think let's look at it again in three weeks and see if we say the same thing. Because right now, I know who's rising and falling. Where they land at the end of all this is really where it's going to um, where it's going to matter. Um, I don't know if we've seen a team that's unbeatable. You know, we we thought Buffalo was unbeatable. Josh yes. Allen was without question the MVP. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen has played legitimately like a, a, the 24th ranked quarterback in the NFL the last couple of weeks. Yes, he's hurt. I get it. I'm not. You know, I'm not trying to take a personal shot at him. I'm just saying there, a lot can happen in this league. I watched that Eagles game. The Colts won the game you know they didn't get the decision but they won the game it, it was not it, it, Philadelphia looked completely mortal and completely human um, not capable of doing the things that you would expect them to do I saw a San Francisco team last night that that played I thought exceptionally well yes Again, you know we're not going to put the Cardinals into this conversation I think in a couple of weeks but San Francisco looked like the dominant defensive team that they are uh, along with an offense that is versatile enough to be able to make plays uh, when they need to. Um, it, it's it's parity gone crazy. You know, I, I think there's enough in the league to say right now that, you know, seeding is important, but it goes a lot deeper now. Um, it's not that home field advantage doesn't matter, but if you take out two buys from everybody – one team is going to get that. Maybe that makes them a little more rusty in a game that they really seems to be adapting more and more each week. Having that other game experience, um, excluding the, the wear and tear that comes with it, might be a benefit in some ways. Um, it, it, I think everything is just up in the air. I'm not sure. Uh, I know who good teams are, and you're right. I think those four would, would qualify for that. I, I definitely don't think any of the four of them are unbeatable. Where we sit right now, I, I could see any one of them getting upset, which is what you know, probably will end up happening uh, for where they'll be seeding-wise. But we don't know the team that's going to get hot here at the end and grab a, a five, six, or seven seed and make a little bit of a run at it. I, I would, you know, almost to the point of, of expect that to happen, just the way this league is going right now. Steeler fans are experiencing something that most other cities experience during the course of a football season when it isn't going well. On days where the offense play where the defense plays really well and lights out, the offense doesn't do its part. On days where the offense does just fine and produces some points, it's the day the defense has an off day. What did you see Sunday against the Bengals? 
I thought um, first half, I, I thought they did reasonably well. Defense struggled a little bit early. Here, here's the big thing. I think, and this isn't to suggest that Joe Burrow has to force the ball to Jamar Chase. I, I do think, though, Burrow uh, with almost like, I, I think he's those types that if, if he is focusing on one thing and not having uh, to move it around, all over in a balanced way, which is what he did when he had Chase and Higgins. He just went with Higgins, who made some big-time plays in that game. He's a great player. Um, I don't think anybody is surprised by that. Got the better of Levi Wallace a couple times. Uh, he's got other weapons, but when things are a little less, this is weird to say, but a little less dynamic in Cincinnati, I think Burrow works better in that. Uh, less chaos, more let's just go with what works. Um, he handled... The, the pressure uh, that Pittsburgh was generating in, in the second half a lot better than they did in the first. If, if you notice a couple times that the Steelers went with kind of a, a muddle look up at the front or they showed three different gap blitzes, Burrow called timeout to get out of those twice. And they're, they're doing that because, you know, I, I've said this on this show before, Burrow doesn't read the front seven particularly well. Right. It, it's not a, a full skill of his. He doesn't call out protection well. And I think that's what kind of tricks him up a little bit. Uh, Cincinnati did a better job protecting him um, in, in the second half, certainly uh, better than they did in week one. And that helped. But it, overall, uh, Pittsburgh can't hang with that. <laughs> you know, they just right. they don't have enough. I thought Pittsburgh played well. They were competitive in the first half. I don't think they played their best. But we saw some good football in a couple uh, consecutive series out of Kenny Pickett. Uh, I thought they did a little bit more uh, up front on the ground. I thought they, they ran successfully. It fell apart in the second half. And I think a lot of that was just they don't have enough pages in their playbook to continue uh, what they're doing. I thought they're, they're, they're early on game plan, their scripting, and their initial uh, adjustments to that. The last couple of weeks have, have done, you know, they've done a better job with that. But the second half, things didn't work. They couldn't get out of first gear. Um, Cincinnati just leaned on them. And for what was left of what they could do or what they were calling, Cincinnati was prepared for it. They, they went like three and out, three straight drives or four out of five or something like that. Just the, the typical 2022 Steelers slogging offense. And by that point, you're throwing haymakers at a defense that I thought held up pretty well to a very talented, very deep uh, offensive team. And Burrow played some phenomenal uh, uh, position football over the fourth quarter. Yeah. I, I remember I, I made a comment like this um, in the fourth quarter. I, I believe it was at that point it was 27-23 uh, Bengals. They had just taken the lead. Um, Pickett was getting the ball with about nine minutes left. My thought was, all right, well, you, two, maybe three drives here are going to define this game. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, it, Let's see what you're made of right now. He didn't do anything, and Burrow crushed him on the yeah. ones that he had. I mean, it was, you know, for him, he didn't need to do more, uh, but he certainly did. He was at his best uh, when they had a lead and they needed to put it away. He did. Um, Burrow, I mean, not, I'm not trying to compare where Kenny Pickett is right now to Joe Burrow, but Burrow played a, a sensational game. I think his clearly his best against Pittsburgh uh, in that fourth quarter. He was lights out. Um, they, they really had something that worked. They found it over the course of the game. There's a better, deeper team. I'm not surprised overall by the result, but Pittsburgh did battle. Nine minutes left, they were within a, a possession, and they had the ball. So not a, not a horrible moral loss. That doesn't matter, but at the same time, if you're looking for 
you know, consecutive wins over and over again for a Steelers team that's three and six. I'm not sure you're you're watching the right things you should be watching. Uh, they're they're building still, and I think Cincinnati uh, should have been the favorite in the game, and they were. And I think you know the score wasn't necessarily reflective of of the the quality that was played in the game, but Pittsburgh just didn't have the gas at the end. All right, so now we're getting a decent uh, sample size of Kenny Pickett. Is he getting better or is he treading water? I think um, I, I I hate this because I, I keep going back to this. When he had George Pickens streaking down the field and, and somehow or other he didn't quite see it right away. He should have. He released the ball way late. He was under pressure. That was the first half. That was really the big blemish on the first half. But it's like there, there are still those plays. You know, we're, we're still seeing those things. The overall product is better than it was when he made his first start in Buffalo, no doubt. Um, I'm hoping it continues to elevate to the point where they might be able to use him as more of a primary weapon on the offense. They, they can get more out of him. He's staying in the pocket better. Uh, protection was pretty bad in this game, and Cincinnati's a real good defensive front team. It's hard to expect the pocket to be clean all the time. I thought he did some good things in the first half. I thought it wasn't just Pickett making mistakes. It was the entire offense just stalled midway through the third quarter through the end of the game. It wasn't good, and that's not entirely on Pickett, but we saw good things from Pickett for four quarters if we go back to the win over the Saints. The second half, I thought he played well. The first half against Cincinnati, along, you know, adding in what was a pretty significant mistake, um, I, I think he played well. And he's protecting the ball, which is something he wasn't doing right away. I think we're seeing him get better. Um, it's not good enough. I don't think anybody would argue that. But we are seeing him play better football than he was. And that should be encouraging. You know, obviously you want to improve, but look at the, the ground he's covered before we worry about his ceiling, before we worry about the long-term viability. See where he's come for now. Let's continue to see where he is over a couple games. You know, at the end of that time, at the end of the season, if we're looking at a, a player who largely resembles uh, what started um, way week five or whatever that was against Buffalo, you have more of a problem. But I, you have to like the trajectory he's on. It's pretty slow. Uh, again, not an elite guy, not somebody that's going to win on traits alone. There's a lot of things that need to be set up for him. But I, I, I think he's doing reasonably well. We, we can't uh, be too down about it right now. He's got to continue to grow. And unfortunately, he's going to have to grow in every area because, again, he's not an elite trait guy. But they're able to make hay with what he has. He, he's a reasonable option at quarterback position right now. Back to my original question about really only four teams that we think are, hmm, wow, everybody else is rather nondescript. We now bring you the Colts and the Steelers on Monday Night Football, a national TV audience. How do you view this showdown between the most experienced coach in the NFL and the least experienced coach in the state of Indiana? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's going to be a lot and of the I mean the year. entire state of Indiana. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know it, it it's funny because we coming off of Monday night last night, um, the the whole bit is that Cliff Kingsbury hasn't had a team 
you know, finish over 500 his entire career. Very true. <laughs> Very true. Hey, Jeff, Jeff Saturday tops that. He was coaching in high school and didn't finish yes. over 500. So yes. um, maybe that's not important, I, I guess, to some. Um, I, I don't know. I think this game is such a toss-up because, again, I, I said this before, too, the, the Colts, the Colts won that game. I mean, I they they played well, yeah, they uh, did. not great, but defensively they were alive. That that was a real impressive game from them. Um, situation didn't hold out. Philadelphia just has a ton of talent, but uh, it, Indianapolis was was given fits. That's a tough team to beat. I think the Steelers are very similar. It, it's almost like, in a lot of ways, there really are uh, some pretty. Uh, favorable comparisons between the two now i'm not that's that's not bragging about either one of them i'm just saying they look to be at very similar points in their development and the whole world's gone topsy-turvy in indianapolis but uh, where pittsburgh is for their talent level minus a veteran quarterback you, you have a lot of the same similar stuff on offense what they're trying to do um and what is working when they are successful and indianapolis's defense i think is is playing well they're capable of playing well um, for, for what they have. And I, I don't know. I was talking to a, a, a buddy of mine. I don't know if this game, it, it could be 37 to 34 and it could be 17 to 16. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know which of, of each team is going to show up or how they're going to react to each other. This one's really kind of a toss up for me. Um, I'm not sure. I think Pittsburgh overall is probably the better team. Um, I'm not going to count out the, the veteran presence of Matt Ryan, but we've seen Steelers defense uh, rip a veteran quarterback with nothing else around him um, before. In fact, the, the quarterbacks have looked a lot like uh, Matt Ryan, and the team has looked a lot like the Indianapolis Colts. So yeah. uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they're able to, to really just kind of shut him down and uh, coast to a pretty easy win. I, I feel like Pittsburgh has a pretty strong offensive game coming. Um, the pressure is turned up there, but it, it's still it's just such a weird matchup uh, in, in a weird situation in Indianapolis. I don't know which way to go with it. Uh, finally, where do you stand on Jeff Saturday? Um, if I didn't know any better, and we didn't know uh, the history of, of Jim Irsay as far as the quarterbacks are available, I'm going to have all kinds of you know interesting moves, particularly at the quarterback and head coaching position, and I'm going to wind up with top pick. Uh, if, if we didn't know that, I'm not sure how we would think about it outside of, okay, uh, you really want to save money for the rest of the year. I will say this, though, and an understandable point of consternation, um, Fritz Pollard Alliance, for example, is understandably uh, confused as to how all this went down. Yes. We oftentimes see minority coaches made interim coaches and put into a position to fail. I might argue Jeff Saturday is a good candidate for a team that isn't expected to do anything else, that's expected to, to overhaul most of its uh, front office as well as its roster next year. Why have a head coach in the position to fail? Because it, it's it's the same thing as in Carolina. Uh, Steve Wilkes gets yes. you know undue uh, pressure in the situation that they're in. I personally think he's availing himself pretty well. Yes. You can make that argument as well. But uh, how about this? They named Jeff Saturday the coach. They asked Scott Milanovich, the quarterback's coach, to call plays, and he said no. Why do you think that is? Because he doesn't want to put himself in a position to fail. 
right. um, instead of the embarrassment of saying you offered it to all these people and nobody wanted it. <laughs> you just say that Jeff Saturday is your guy the whole time. I, I don't know. We could go back and forth on this for days. Yeah. I'm not sure there is a successful interim coaching plan. And I think that's kind of the point. So it, as far as Saturday, certainly it's a surprise move. Um, he's not even on the staff. It seems like, you know, the, the players are responding to him. I thought they, they put up a reasonable uh, effort for what we could expect those teams to have done. More of the problem here in my mind is it takes the shine off the fact that you benched Matt Ryan yes. um, because you wanted to, what, take a look at Sam Ellinger? Come on. Yeah. That, that's, that's come on. <laughs> I'm not buying that. Jeff Saturday being the interim coach is less of a surrender flag in my mind than putting Sam Ellinger in the game. Uh, in a year that there are multiple pretty good-looking quarterbacks. Yeah. And this has been what uh, Jim Irsay has done in the past. Um, you might recall Peyton Manning uh, was on injured reserve, and the Colts started Curtis Painter at quarterback that yes. season. It's yep. not that there weren't other options. It's just like, why is this guy out here? Uh, they did a lot of weird things that year. And lo and behold, Andrew Luck, the, the best you know quarterback prospect we would have seen since Manning, um, is is the grand prize for losing. So it, it kind of seems like maybe he dipped into that playbook a little bit. That's why Ellinger is out there. Um, Frank Reich is a good coach. If you look at the amount of support that Frank Reich has gotten from players, coaches, uh, fans as well, uh, we just ran something in Sports Illustrated about Nick Sirianni um, screaming in profanity to the crowd. That was for Frank Reich. He was so excited about the win <laughs> to dedicate it to the fans of Frank Reich's previous team. Yeah. I mean, that's that's support. You know, it makes you kind of wonder if, if Irsay's not just ripping the whole thing down uh, for the sake of, of better draft position. We're not going to win anyway. I'm not going to pay these guys to keep on with this. I'll just say, look, thanks. I'll pay you. Checks in the mail. Just get out of here. Wouldn't surprise me if that's the case. Uh, I can't prove any of that. I'm not trying to prove any of it. I'm just saying that it, all in all, it's all really strange. And as far as Jeff Saturday goes, I think a lot of sense is made over just the idea that I, I'd stop short of saying that they're tanking, but nobody would want to take this on reasonably. Nobody would, and nobody would get a reasonable evaluation for what they could do with what they have in place. Because now they had to put Matt Ryan back under center. That looks weird. That That's damaging to the team. Um, Saturday, for his part, if they fail miserably, everybody expected them to, and he goes away, and nobody cares. Um, you put in a, a legitimate coaching candidate into that spot, it could, it could hurt their career, and that's not right either. So maybe it's yeah. not the worst move. Thankful for you, as always, every week. Thank you so much, Neil. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Nate Power in the next half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Nate Bauer in the next half hour. Donnie Collins in the final half hour. A lot of Penn State football talk today. Great to have you with us. And happy Thanksgiving to each and every one of you. I always tell everybody that is involved in broadcasting, we need you more than you need us. We're thankful for you.